On today's episode, we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that is cyber attacks that have the potential to totally devastate the United States. Stay with us. Welcome to Practical Prepping. Today is February 5th, 2024, and this is episode number 450. This is the prepping podcast with no bunkers, no zombies, and no alien invasions, just practical prepping, where we believe that stuff happens, so we need to stay prepared. And we're here to help you get prepared. I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about the potential for state-sponsored cyber attacks against the United States. If you would like the expanded notes for this episode, go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 450. Now let's get into our episode today. You know, because preppers are often concerned about the effects that an EMP or a CME would have on our world. You know, basically a CME, which is a coronal mass ejection, comes from the sun. That is something over which man has absolutely no control. However, An EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, is a politicized weapon of war, and that would cause immediate world war. And that's what we had Dr. Arthur T. Bradley on recently discussing was the CME and the EMP. But what if there's a weapon of far greater danger that could be unleashed on a single country and effectively destroy that country? Pretty alarming, huh? It is. Now, on Wednesday, January the 31st, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before a congressional committee. And here's some of the things that he said. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if or when China decides the time has come to strike. He also said the Chinese government-backed hackers are targeting things like water treatment plants, electrical infrastructure, and oil and natural gas pipelines. Chinese hackers are allegedly, he continues, burrowing in computer networks at ports, energy plants, and other key infrastructure in the U.S. These hackers are believed to be deeply entrenched in U.S. infrastructure. You know, and additionally, we have seen many ransomware attacks, and they can range from small to medium-sized cities, counties, and institutions. I mean, I, for one, individually was spared a hack that was happening on my computer, thank goodness. But there are cities and counties and governments and organizations that are being attacked. The city of Huntsville had a cyber attack. Huntsville Hospital suffered a cyber attack. The county of Madison had a cyber attack. I know that the office that you worked at, very large law enforcement office agency, actually was put to the wall as far as we want a ransom, and your place of employment did not pay that ransom. They shut down all of their computer, and they started all the way over. They were not going to give in to hackers because they knew that once they have you, they can hit you again. Sure they can. And this ransom was tens of millions of dollars. Oh, gracious. And we were shut down as they rebuilt the entire network from the ground up for about four weeks. Yeah. 
and we had to teach uh, some of us old guys had to teach some of the new guys how to write a paper report. Exactly, because <laughs> they had never done that in no. their experience, and, and it was a horrendous thing. Oh, it sure. Shut down tag services. It shut down revenue services. Everything involved with county government. It also happens to large institutions. Now, just in 2021, Scripps Health Service was attacked and it caused interruptions to patient care and administrative operations. Mm. Now, start thinking about when cyber attacks affect patient care. Oh, my word. That's All the nuts. charting is done by computer today. Mm-hmm. Right. All the records are on computer. That takes out the patient care. Microsoft Exchange server was attacked, and that impacted thousands of organizations worldwide. Sure enough, right. T-Mobile had a data breach of customer information. Wow. And who knows how many folks were affected by that. Remember Colonial Pipeline? Mm -hmm. That disrupted fuel supplies all along the eastern coast. And so that originated as a cyber attack? It did. That's crazy. What's happened is... We have proven large-scale vulnerabilities. Yeah. Now, we don't want to scare. Uh, It's not our purpose here to scare. Our purpose here is to make you aware of something that could happen. And really largely underline the reason why we do have a level of preparedness in our lives. Exactly. And we're going to talk about some things that we can do. But imagine for a moment that water systems are completely shut down or they're altered to allow non-processing of the water supply to go to the people. Yeah, that's where you get the boil order. Yes. And it could be indefinite on a cyber attack. Or it could be totally shut down. Electrical system shutdowns could cause widespread blackouts across the country. Certainly. We have seen blackouts from computer problems, whether it was hacking or not. I'm not sure at this point, but there are large areas that have experienced blackouts. How about major communication systems being shut down? Yeah, what you're saying is you're basically blinding and deafening the ability to be able to function you right. know, in society, modern day society. We're talking about the exact same thing as an EMP. Mm-hmm. but from a different source. What about transportation systems? Every truck, car, train, airplane, air traffic control towers? Yeah, Imagine I, if they went haywire. And I'm, I'm not even thinking about the cars. I'm just thinking about like the air travel. The larger yeah. uh, vehicular type Look movement. what has happened when one carrier had a software problem. Yep, exactly. Look at the backup that created. Mm-hmm. Now, if you shut down air traffic control, we could have airplanes running into each other. Well, yeah, you're, you're scaring happen. me now. So. I mean, it could happen. Uh, yeah. But they would just have to go to a VFR type thing, and mm. it would take out instrument landings and such, so they would not be able to land unless the weather was agreeable to landing with visual Yeah. Rules. What What you're describing is terrorism on an entirely different kind of level. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. All rail systems shut down, ocean shipping shut down. Yeah, ports closed, not being able to open boats just floating around in the yeah. ocean. Now, that would also create some supply chain issues. Certainly it would. Truck scheduling 
You know, they have what they call just in time mm-hmm. uh, grocery stores, food places, a lot of the high commodities, because they want to get those types of perishables in and out as quickly as possible. And so when you've got the truck scheduling, food sourcing, supply chain, even everything from the processing to all the way to the delivery to your grocery store, you know, the inventories of the local and the national chains is just going to go dark. Exactly. And so that could create a real problem. How about if the financial institutions are attacked? Yeah, that's just what we did. In, on light of everything else, on top of that, imagine having stock market crashing, banking crashing, debit cards not working, credit cards not working, the bank is closed. You are essentially dead in the water. Yep. No money transfers, no ATMs. So the question comes, what can we as the individual prepper do? Now, we cannot fight against the hackers individually. The federal government, the FBI, works on this on a daily basis. I mean, they're working on this 24-7. They're doing it as hard and fast as they possibly can. But one of the things that was said in this committee meeting is that for every FBI agent that is working on this, there are 50 hackers. Wow, that's a big job. So they're outmanned to some degree. Mm -hmm. And the anti-terrorist cybersecurity folks have to win every time. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So we need to, you know, have a lot of prayer and faith in the Lord to take care of complete control and protect us. And we also need to have some faith and trust in the ones that are commissioned to protect our interests. But we also need to do some things on our own just in case. Now, if this happens, it's not saying that it won't come back. It will. You're talking about the services. The and services the, 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 will yeah. come back. Now, it may take a while. Yeah. It would take less time in the electrical system with cyber attack than it would with an EMP or a CME. Because when you blow those transformers, I mean, they're made one at a time, and it takes about six months to build them. Oh, wow. Okay. From what I understand. So, so. it there would be a slow, gradual return to exactly. normalcy. Okay. So what do we do? In the interim. Exactly. We need to beef up our water supplies. Well, you know me. I know you. I'm all about the water. You know, Water and spaghetti are your two things. Well, even on the news last week, I think it was somewhere in the North Alabama, Southern Tennessee area, they were on a boil water order for a good two weeks. Right. And it's because their water system had stopped. Their, their treatment plant where they treat the tap water was just not operational. Well, one of the things is that because of the deep freeze, they had so many leaks that they had no pressure mm-hmm. and they were not able to treat the water. And so they went to the boil water order. Exactly. But what if we go to one of these where it's a do not drink? What if it cannot be processed at all? Yeah. What? You What's know? your water situation now? Yeah. East Palestine, Ohio, train derailment contaminated water system, right. do not drink. For weeks, months. Yeah, and in North Alabama, they passed out bottled water, but widespread outages could cause severe shortages of water. And I mentioned East Palestine. We had Flint, Michigan. We had Benton Harbor, Michigan. We had West Baltimore with the E. coli bacteria. Mm-hmm. There are so many things that could happen with our water system that we need to be prepared. So everybody should have a personal water filter for every member of their household. Right, right. 
Life Straw. A lot of people like Life Straw. A lot of people like the Sawyer. I like the Sawyer because it filters more and it lasts longer. Mm -hmm. Rather than like 10,000 gallons, it'll do like 100,000 gallons. But if all you can get is a Life Straw, then by all means, exactly, have it. Have exactly. It. If you have to build it out of gravel, <laughs> sand, and activated charcoal, have a plan in place. Now, we need to increase our water storage to some degree. Right. The bare minimum is a gallon of water per person per day. Right. And I consider that the bare minimum because out of that, you're supposed to not only drink, but prepare food and take care of personal Mm -hmm. hygiene. So one gallon may not really cover you. And I know that the two of us and the boys, the cats, are going through three gallons of filtered water a day or a little bit more than that Mm -hmm. because I will fill our water filter every day. And sometimes I have to fill it twice a day. Like today, it's been filled again. We've used enough water. Yeah, and we're not using that water for our hygiene. No. So we've got to, you know, add two. So we're looking at probably three to four gallons per person per day. Exactly, and it just depends on how how you want to look at hygiene. In in this type situation, we're not going to be taking those lovely hot baths and showers. It might be some of those wet wipe type deals. Wet wipes, sponge (laughs) baths, what Grandma used to call spit bath. Well, here, let me tell you something you don't want to do, and that is to take an old milk jug and use it for storing water because as much as you think you can clean it, it just won't work. There's just too many crevices for bacteria, and you don't want to store any drinking water in an old milk jug. And some of those now are very flimsy plastic, Mm -hmm. and they will spring a leak. They're really not designed to be reused. And we have proven that. We found a leaking bottle in our own storage years back when we were starting to do that, and then we just realized, you know, there are heavier-duty distilled water containers that will Mm -hmm. work for storing water and they've not ever had milk or dairy in there we buy a lot of distilled water for my cpap and for her humidifier Mm -hmm. we do reuse those jugs we fill them with water they're much more stable exactly they're sturdier and i like the two and a half gallon Uh, you can get the spring water you can get the drinking water Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a, a rectangular they're actually stackable, and they have a faucet or a spigot. Yes, on yes. We, we've got a few of those. Mm-hmm. But we are going to increase our water supply. And one of the things that I'm looking at doing this year, this spring, is building a rainwater catchment system. Super catchment. And there's that word again. There's that word again. But we know it's a word <laughs> it because is. you looked it up. I looked it up and I found that you were right. She was trying to prove me wrong. <laughs> I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was wrong about you being wrong. You were right about you being right. Yeah. Did that make sense? It did to me. Okay. We may have some listeners scratching their heads. Well, if they've listened to us this long, they've long past scratched oh, their heads. Okay. Let's move on to food, because if anything, COVID, the pandemic showed us that there can be some empty shelves in your local grocery store. And they were having supply chain issues. And then also what stock they had, they limited. Mm -hmm. Many times you could just go in there any other day of the week and buy as much of whatever you wanted. But then when it came to certain meats and paper products and things, it was onesie twosie. And that was it. And they Mm -hmm. strictly enforced it. They did. You may have to settle for getting the food that you can eat. It may not be what you want, but if you're not already prepping the food that you want, you're just going to be forced to buy whatever is on the shelf. And a lot of times that's tofu and shrimp. So 
well, the shrimp part's okay. I did go to the grocery store not to purchase groceries. I literally went to the grocery store during the peak of the COVID shortages to scout things out. Oh, yeah. And what I, if mm-hmm. you remember that, I came back and I told you the only two things left anywhere near the meat items mm-hmm. was tofu and bison. Oh, yeah, because they had the price on that was just outrageous. Well, yeah. Who really wants to eat tofu? I know some folks do. Actually, I do like it. Well, it's okay in Chinese hot and sour soup. Yeah. That, that's yeah, all yeah, I know yeah. it's for. Yeah. Nobody was buying the bison. Yeah, it was interesting to see what was left behind. It was. So that, it, you know, grocery stores. And this is why we say stock what you eat or prep what you eat because you will eat what you prep. Mm-hmm. And with our rotating system, I mean, it's worldwide with preppers, you know, you rotate your food. Sure you do. And Shop your own pantry. Yes. And, and Krista has her prepping pantry. And she has her kitchen pantry, and when she goes grocery shopping, she goes to her pantry, and she shops what she needs. And then when she goes to the grocery store, she buys what she bought out of the, not bought, but what she took out of the prepper pantry. Sure, yeah. So it keeps getting rotated. And I've seen some questions in some of the groups about the emergency food, the 25-year food. I don't want to be digging into that stuff for a two-week snowstorm. Yeah, you want to be very judicious about exactly. opening the, that stuff The great up. thing about that stuff is that if you have stocked more food than you can rotate in a year or a year and a half, then that's your additional food. Mm-hmm. And then you intermix it as you go. Sure. So you're not on a steady diet of that. But if you like a particular brand of soup, buy that brand of soup. Absolutely. And store that. And then you'll have what you want when the time comes, whether it's an extended time or whether it's like we recently went through with a week of ice storms. Yeah, we didn't have to go anywhere. We no. couldn't if we wanted to. <laughs> so increase the supply of foods you normally eat. And that's canned goods, meats, vegetables, pasta, rice, beans, such as that. Sure. What about an attack on the electrical system? Well, you're going to need to have some ways to charge your devices. Mm -hmm. We've talked about power banks, and there's so many different iterations of power banks from very small to pretty good sized. Car chargers even to be able to charge, you know, in the car. It takes a little more time. In the ice, I saw several people that were posting because they were sitting in the car charging their phone. Sure. Well, it'll charge quicker if you'll get in the car, turn it off. And charge it. Oh, yeah, sure. Rather than use it. Yeah. But getting in the car or putting it in the car and charging it is a good option. But make sure that it charges when your switch is off. One of our vehicles, the charging system shuts down in your car. It does. Now, my car, I have run directly from the battery because of the ham radio. So I have run lighter plugs off of that. So it does not shut down in my vehicle. We also have an inverter that we can use in there, too. And that's a good thing. Uh, Have a way to use for various critical equipment like oxygen generators, suction machines, CPAPs. That's one of our backup systems for my CPAP is literally a car battery and an inverter. Exactly. But you also need an auxiliary heat plan. 
Yes, you do. If you're depending on electric, even if you're depending on gas, unless you have been prepping the fuel storage, you may have to revert back to a fireplace or uh, some if sort of. If you have a, one. If you have one, or like what we have, we have a portable indoor safe propane fueled big buddy heater. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what, that bad boy will do the job. Yes, it will. <laughs> we it, like that thing. And that's listed on the website under featured items quite some time back, but it's there if you'd like to take a look at it. And there's several of those. And if you get the Big Buddy, uh, we would tell you get the one with the built-in fan. They call it the air convection system. Yes. And instead of all the heat going straight up, it will blow a lot of that heat out forward. And I have found that you don't have to use up as much fuel with that air moving Mm -hmm. out that way. So I think that's a very judicious way to use a Big Buddy. But be aware that on high, that thing will consume about one pound per hour. Right. We've seen that using it as we have and using it on high because we needed it and getting about 18, 20, 21 hours out of the big barbecue tank. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind as well. Also having a generator. A generator is a good thing to have. In fact, I've got to go out and run hours tomorrow on its monthly you do, a little, you do a monthly maintenance on exactly. the generator. Exactly. I will start it up. I'll let it run about 20 minutes, and then I won't turn it off. I'll turn the fuel off between the fuel tank and the carburetor, and I will let it run dry. And that way, there's no fuel sitting in the carburetor to garb, uh, to gunk up. Gunk up. <laughs> so, yeah. I know about those old carburetors. I, I want it to be able to start next time. And we're talking about ways to stay warm. Uh, you need to look at those fuels for those things. Yes. Some of them are dual fuel. Some of the generators are dual fuel. But when we're looking at fuel, keep your gas tank above a half a tank. Yes, that's that's the new empty. Half that's the is new the new empty for half, us. Exactly. Once we get to half, if we're traveling or we're out about in town, once we hit that halfway mark, that's our cue. Mm-hmm. To hit the gas station and go ahead and fill her back up because there are some times when we're traveling and we can hit a long, long, long stretch where there's dozens of miles with no gas station. If not further than that. And we just don't. And sometimes we get delayed where we have to sit in traffic and mm-hmm. idle and that'll burn a lot of gas. So mm-hmm. we want to just make sure that we're never on an empty. Keep it a half a tank or above. Also keep gasoline for your generator. Mm -hmm. or propane for your heaters or your generator or for cooking. Like our our grill. Our grill is one of our backup methods for cooking. Sure. Uh, It's great for cooking when we don't need it because it sure does grill a good piece of meat, but it is a part of our backup cooking plan. So we keep propane for those. Now, if you live in an area that you don't have natural gas run to the house and you have an LP tank, and a lot of those are you know, 250, 500 gallon, whatever. I would say get that tank filled when it gets down to about half. Yeah. Don't wait till you get down to your need. Go ahead and do the same thing with it. Have somewhere in there and you know how long your system will run on a tank or a half a tank of of fuel. And it is possible that some of those fuel companies especially if there's a big crisis or emergency going on, they're going to be overwhelmed and you Mm -hmm. may not be first on their list anymore, or they may be out. Mm -hmm. It can happen. I have lived in a place where our LP tank went empty and we just didn't think about refilling it. And 
Well, you know, we had to wait. Yep. So we had to had to wear all of our clothes. And in our <laughs> recent ice storm that went for like a week, I remember that on one of the highways that goes out of town, and it, there's some small cities down through there, and they were posting so and so has propane. Yeah. Because they were not able to get the propane to them because of the icy roads. So it's something to consider. Sure. Now, if you've got fireplaces, you need to have some firewood for mm-hmm. those fireplaces. Prep or that for, firewood. Or wood-burning stoves. And charcoal for a grill. Now, we don't have a charcoal grill. We do have a charcoal smoker, but we don't have a charcoal grill. But I could build one out at the end of the walkway with about four concrete blocks. And sure we you could. keep charcoal. Yeah. And I could take the grill out of the grill. The grate. The grate. Yeah. <laughs> and put that on top of the sure. concrete blocks sure and could. we could cook on that. Absolutely. And if I had to, I could build a fire and we could cook over just a straight open fire. So think through those things, but have the fuel for whatever system or method you may be using to cook. And so let's talk about something else. You know, what about money? How if the if the banking industry is out and the debit cards aren't working and the credit cards aren't working, what do we have left? The only thing we have is cash. And I know a lot of people sort of think cash is sort of a four-letter word in a way. They don't carry mm-hmm. it. They don't want to carry it. But I'm here to tell you, I never want to live in a cashless society. I always want to be able to have that legal tender that nobody can digitally take control of. You know, exactly. I'm that, telling you, if all of your money is on a device or online, mm-hmm. you're not the only one that can get to it. Yeah, back about 25 years ago, I had $1,800 in my bank, and I couldn't get a dollar out mm-hmm. because of their computer system. There you go. Yeah, I could not get a dollar out. So, so having some cash on hand. So you may want to increase the amount of cash that you keep. And different denominations. We're not suggesting that it be all $100 bills. Oh, no. Because if you're having to buy firewood and it's $4 and you've got a $100 bill, there's a lot of merchants that will say, sorry, no change. Yeah. And I've been carrying some 20s with me. I've been carrying $100, $120 in my pocket, and it's been in $20 bills. Mm -hmm. Well, I've gotten into some things lately where I've not been able to use a card because they didn't take a card. And it was 7 or $8, and I had a $20 bill. Well, it was a situation where, okay, I can pass on this and I can wait. But I'm going to start carrying some 1s and 5s and 10s. Absolutely. And to break that up. You can also bargain with cash, too. Yes. A lot of times you can do a little negotiating. Yes. I'm and, talking about in an emergency situation, really. Well, you can probably do it in daily situations well, if you've got cash to lay on the... Come to think of it, when I was in business... Mm-hmm. A retail store. We had products for sale. We had is a pet store, and there were times when, if it was a large purchase, if it was like a two hundred dollars something something, somebody says, "Hey, I got one seventy five. Will you take one seventy five cash?" And the answer to that is, "Yes, I will." Yeah, because <laughs> you, as a merchant, one, you make a sale now, mm-hmm. and you save the processing fees. That well, and the and you know what you've pays. got. You've, you know what you have in the product. Exactly. I mean, don't give it away, but cash is king to a lot of retailers. And so carry enough to get home anyway. Sure. And when I say carry enough to get home, when we travel, I carry a little more cash. We could buy a hotel room if we had to. Or an extra tire. Exactly. Think about the what ifs. Yeah. 
And, and if it's a situation where the debit card won't work, yeah. we've got some cash in there to get home. Exactly. And you can always buy ca- uh, gas and food with it on the road. Sure you can. Let's talk about communications. Mm-hmm. Now, for most folks, these types of situations would take down communications. Yeah. I mean, we know the cell phones could be gone and... How many folks have landlines in their house today? Very few. Very few. The internet goes down. And so we need some kind of a communications plan. Yeah. One of the things that we do and have done for a number of years is we keep a written contact list because we don't remember people's phone numbers like we did when we were kids. No, we don't. We don't. We've lost that part of our brain. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, it's gone. Yeah. It's on speed dial or it's in our contact list sure. and, and we use that. So keep that written contact list and we disseminate that list among all of our family members. We've got both sides of the family on the list. We've disseminated that. If there is a problem in an area and one of our family members is hit by tornado or whatever, They've got to make contact with someone outside the impact area who can make a phone call. They need to make one phone call, and then we will handle it from there with the list. And so have that communications list, but also have a communications plan for receiving information. Now, the AM, FM stations will get back online. Sure they will. The TV stations will get back online. That's a good reason to potentially have an antenna that you can plug into the TV. So if we've lost internet, we lose our TVs, except for our big TV, we have it set up with antenna and with internet. And also transistor type radio. Yes. Yes. AM, FM. Mm -hmm. I definitely advocate radio communications, ham radio, GMRS is good. FRS, if you're talking about to your neighbors, you know, very, very short distances. So look into the communications aspect because these types of situations, ham radio will still work. And if you have trouble locating a ham radio operator and you yourself are not licensed or have had no experience, if you'll find the Red Cross, more than likely they're going to have some information, a Red Cross or a FEMA one of those types of administrators that are on scene during a right. crisis. Because the ham radio operators go and are deployed to attach to the Red Cross, right. to attach to the FEMA folks, to attach to the Southern Baptist does it with South Bears. And then all the local EMAs. Yes, you know, and, and there's always the possibility that there is a ham radio operator available to get your message out is called health and welfare message. Well, and we're talking about cyber attacks. So we're envisioning if God forbid this happen, you know, Red Cross and FEMA and EMA, they're going to be out and about and on the scene to try to help people. Hopefully. So I'm just saying that this would be a way to reasonably plead your case to Mm -hmm. someone to say, listen, I I would like to get a message to a ham radio operator to someone in wherever. So I'm just letting you know that's that's kind of the point sometimes you have to go to to get your message out and to receive information, Mm -hmm. too. As we said earlier, we don't tell you this to scare you. We are not peddling fear. No, we are not. What we're doing is trying to have you prepared for whatever might happen. Well, we're living in that day and age where we can't put our head in the sand. 
preparedness is about being informed and making knowledgeable and informed decisions. And we need to know that, sadly, we live on a planet that has some bad actors out there that are really wanting to try to ruin somebody's life. We know that exists. And I'm so thankful that, at least to this point, we have not seen a worldwide problem in that effect. But there are some people and organizations that have been hit by things like this, and it has disrupted them for a short time. And then now they're better prepared and better able to thwart an attack that may come in the future. And so we as prepared people, we want to be able to thwart our, uh, you know, vulnerability. And we don't want to lose our control to someone that wants to do us harm. So having those plans, having your threat assessment, having your resources, your tribe, your community, whoever it is you reach out to and your faith, you know, have those things and and live intentionally. We don't live in fear. Mark and I do not. We talk about things. We understand bad things happen, but we just don't choose to live in fear. But we do want to inform you and particularly this congressional committee. I mean, it may not have made the news, but it certainly got our attention. It did make the news and a lot of folks saw it. But, oh, that's good. But it, it really concerned me that a lot of people don't follow these types of things. They don't. A lot of times I'll just pass on by when it says commit congressional committee. Oh. So we're going to cut it right here just for time. We're going to make this a one segment episode. Today's cup of coffee comes from Trailman. Trailman. One of our faithful members. Trailman, we really do appreciate that. We've enjoyed that coffee all day. Yes, and I'm enjoying a cup right now. And if you receive value from this podcast, would you help us by giving back a little? First, you can buy us a cup of coffee. Or second, you can start your Amazon shopping from our website. It costs you nothing extra, and it does pay us a small commission on some qualifying purchases. And you'll find the links to both of those at practicalprepping.info. Both of those help us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. And as Krista always says, Stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. 